Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo and Harley Schultz. Welcome back for not just another episode of the Blitz Podcast, but our second episode of the week. Yes, it's like Christmas in August, I guess, or Christmas during draft season. Anyway, I'm joined by my man Harley Schultz. I'm Steve Gallo, as usual. Harley, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, getting to know you more and more this season. Uh, a couple episodes this week. We'll have a couple episodes next week as well. we got to get all our listeners ready for their upcoming fantasy football drafts. Yeah, um, although hardcore guys like us probably started drafting back in February, too, but that's usually Dynasty. But yeah, let's get everybody ready for their redrafts this year. That's what we're in the market for. And here's the thing. I know that we're at one. We're recording during like daylight hours for you and I. That's odd. Um, But we're going to have our nightly NFL BPN news, so I'm just going to throw it right on over to Mr. Harley Schultz for this week's BPN news. Thank you, Steve. Popular rookie running back Darius Geis learned earlier today that he suffered an ACL tear in the Redskins' first preseason game. Well, that bites. I guess we won't be seeing him again this year. Of course, with Chris Thompson also slated to miss the start of the season, Washington's fans get to be subjected to Samaje Pirine and Fat Rob Kelly again. Ooh, boy. WKBW of Buffalo is reporting that rookie quarterback Josh Allen is firmly third on the depth chart going into the first game of the preseason. Wow. How putridly awful must Allen be to be firmly planted behind the lifeless corpses known as A.J. McCarron and Nathan Peterman? The Los Angeles Chargers have been adamant that they will feature Mike Williams in their red zone offense. In related news, the Chargers have also re-monikered their injured reserve list with the name Red Zone Offense. (laughs) As was reported earlier this week on the Blitz podcast, ESPN is also now reporting that the San Francisco 49ers do not intend to use Jarek McKinnon as an every-down back. This, of course, raises the important question, who is this ESPN, and why is he or she so late with this huge fantasy impact news? Hmm. Hmm. And finally, a likely starter for the Cleveland Browns at wide receiver was arrested earlier this week for driving with a suspended license and possession of marijuana. The real news, however, is that it was not Josh Gordon. This has been your BPN News Update. Man, I'll tell you what. I, I got to jump right in here. You can't be going after my boy Josh. You know I can't quit him. He's a, he's a great story. He really is. But I, I get, look, it writes itself. I get that. Hey, one, one quick thing, though. Fat Rob, I've actually heard that that name is gone. He looks great in camp. He's down to 221, I read today. Yeah, I heard he looked great, and that was before the injury. I heard that, I want to say about a week, maybe 10 days ago, and that was from players 
saying that he looks great, it's not the same guy, blah, 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 blah. So now he's going to have a chance to do something with that. Well, I was going to say, he's going to get a chance to eat now. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and fantasy owners hope that it's not at the buffet, but at the um, Red Zone buffet. How's that? Exactly. So this week, as we discussed, we are going to be hitting running back. And to make matters, make this easier for us and for you to follow along, what we're going to do is we're just going to go division by division, and then we'll talk team by team. And just to give you a quick preface as to the order we're going to be running down, we're going to hit the AFC East first, going Buffalo, Miami, New England, and the Jets, AFC North, Baltimore, Bengals, Browns, Pittsburgh, AFC South, Texans, Colts, Jags, Tennessee, AFC West, Broncos, Chiefs, Chargers, Raiders. Then we hit the NFC. We're going NFC East, NFC North, NFC South, NFC West. And we all know that the NFC is all that matters, so we don't have to tell you what teams they are because everybody knows. Let's fire. Fire away. Let's start right where I said we're going to go right to it in Buffalo. And I know you talked about him a little bit last time, but LaShawn McCoy is at the top of the depth chart. And then we've got Chris Ivory, Travis Cadet, and then some other, you know, Marcus Murphy and Taiwan Jones and such. Yeah, I don't think we have to worry about the uh, end of their bench there, but uh, Cadet and Ivory both come into play potentially if uh, LaShawn McCoy ends up being suspended. Uh, now, LaShawn McCoy's ex-girlfriend broke her silence today, uh, claiming that she want, she is demanding justice for what happened to her. But as of yet, she still refuses to succinctly say whether or not LaShawn was involved in the case. I'm pretty sure that's at the behest of her lawyer. But if LaShawn McCoy is being drafted in your redraft league, and, and right now he very well could still play all season, if even if this does go to court. And that's if that's the case, McCoy is probably a third-round talent this year. Uh, if he doesn't get if he doesn't get the opportunity to start the season, if Ivory and Cadet start the season, you're looking at taking Chris Ivory in probably round seven or eight, and Cadet later in the draft, maybe like around 12, 13, or 14, again, depending on how the preseason shakes out there. Yeah, so McCoy right now has got an ADP almost at the end of the fourth round at 46 and change, and Ivory is at 194, which puts him almost in the 16th round. I think that McCoy at that point in the draft, especially if you hit wide receiver earlier, is a good value. Um, but there's Very risk. Much so. There's risk, and you have to understand that. But that's what you're looking for. So it's not like a fourth-round pick. If it doesn't work out for you, you can't overcome it. So I actually like McCoy. However, I'm getting running backs earlier. So when it comes to him coming up to me, I'm at the wide receiver spot. So he's not a guy I'm drafting, but I do think that he gives good value if you do hit wide receiver early and need to get that second or even first running back. And just a little piece of advice to all of our people out there who are auction dwellers for uh, for fantasy draft. If and when someone purchases LaShawn McCoy, the very next person brought up at that auction had better be Chris Ivory. And if it's not, then you're not doing the auction right. Yeah, at least at a minimum, you're going to make that McCoy owner spend a lot of their budget at that point. That's the idea. I actually really like Chris Ivory this year, too. I think he's going to be... Assuming that McCoy doesn't play, uh, Ivory, where you're getting him in the draft right now, is a huge value, too. Yep, I would agree on that. Okay, um, we're going to have to move a little quicker, too, if we're going to get through all these in the next three days. Miami should be interesting. We've got uh, two definite draftees in Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake. Yep. uh, A rookie by the name of Kalen Ballage, who also could potentially be a person you might take later in your draft, too. I agree. Um, Of course, the... 
you know, death chart shows Frank Gore as the starter. I'm not buying that. You go in, maybe he's Jeremy Hill type starter, one two carries, and then he's going to give way to Drake. I think Drake he he's not he's not much of a value in drafts. But again, in that first three rounds, if you happen to nab a wide receiver in one of those picks, I have no problem with him being a running back too, um, based on his upside. I'm not afraid of Gore. Gore will get some touches, get some goal line carries. And while I do like Balage, you know, he's somebody that you're going to take at the end of your draft and you're going to stash. You don't have to have him if you have Drake. He kind of fits that zero running back, you know, theory that people like to throw out there. He's got upside. If he hits, he hits. And if not, you cut him early and you get somebody else that's hot off the waiver wire. Well, I really like Drake this year, and I think it goes back to his performance last year, given the opportunity to be a featured back there. Yes, Gore is present there. Yes, Gore will probably steal a few looks at the goal line, but Drake showed last year over about a five- or six-game stretch that he's capable of producing 100 to 125-yard-per-game games, including catching passes out of the backfield. So if you have like the number one pick in your draft and you've got a snake draft, say you get Gurley or Bell or Zeke, If you want to go wide receiver, wide receiver rounds two and three, pick 401 sitting there for you. Uh, I'm sorry, pick 301 sitting there for you. Uh, Could very well be Drake uh, or even possibly pick 412 if he slides that far. Yeah. Um, And I think he's going to move up draft boards with some attrition injuries. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, The next on the list is the New England Patriots, correct? That is correct. And when you're dealing with the Patriots – all bets are off because one fumble and you move from the top of the list to the bottom of the list. This is true. Um, so what I want to do, try and streamline this, streamline this going forward. What I'm going to say is I'm going to throw out the, the key players in the backfield, what their ADPs are, and then we'll say if we like them or dislike them based on a couple factors. How's that? Sounds good. So first up, we've got um, the rookie, Sony Michelle, right? Yes. He has an ADP of 54, but we know that's dropping like a rock at least somewhat due to the injury and the surgery he had because he may not be ready for the start of the season. Then you have Burkhead at 102, which we know is not realistic, at least not in sharp leagues. He's vaulted up into that 50 to 60 range, maybe even, maybe even sneaking into the fourth round every now and then. So let's go Burkhead first. Do you, like him, at a real, do you like him at a realistic ADP of in the 40s to 50 range? I, I really like him in, in late in round four, early round five. I think he's got the trust of Belichick. What concerns me a little bit is they've said they're going to use him on punt returns, which uh, kind of takes away from his possibility. Maybe he won't get as many touches out of the backfield. But what concerns me there is that uh, they've got so many possible horses that could carry the ball. We saw last night in the uh, preseason game, uh, they gave Jeremy Hill some run. Uh, Michael Isley is still on the team, although he could easily be cut before the end of this league. Uh, before the season starts. And, and James White is still in camp too, I believe. So, yeah, you know what? When it comes down to it, Hill doesn't scare me. I, Gillisley is somebody I think that actually could stick because he is a nice big banger at the goal line. And if something were to happen to Rex, who I think will get the goal line touches for the most part, then you've got Gill that can come in. So I am buying Burkhead at that 50 range of ADP. You'll never see him in the hundreds. It's just not happening now. And then Sony, I'm passing on him at that level. I think he has to fall down into the hundreds before I'm even looking at him. I want nothing to do with Sony Michelle and redraft. Okay. So next, let's move to the Jets, where we could talk about Isaiah Crowell and Bilal Powell. Crowell's in the 115 overall range, and Bilal is in the 186. 
Talk to me about Crow first. I think you're going to see Crowell's uh, ADP start to shoot up as we get closer to the season. A lot of those ADP numbers are reflected by uh, early on when there was a question about how much of a platoon they would have. I think Crowell's established himself as the featured back there. Powell is going to be the change of pace back. McGuire, when he's fully healthy, will also be uh, eating into some of that change of pace role. Uh, Crowell's the guy you want. And if you really want him, I think you're probably looking at getting him uh, no later than round five. Yeah, and you know what? I do like Crowell, and I think his ADP is going to rise. What I don't like is I'm not 100% sold in that offense yet, but I think he will get the lion's share. So if you neglect running back and you're going to try and grab a bunch to throw him against the wall, my caveat is I like him with that. But I'm just not sold on that offense being efficient enough to make a running back a solid running back two value. And, and Powell, if you're rounding out your, you know, your roster, he's somebody, it's so late, it doesn't matter. If you want to take a shot on him, I've got no problem with that. Yeah, Crowell should be your running back three. He shouldn't be, you shouldn't be counting on him as your running back one or running back two. Okay. So next, let's move to Baltimore. Alex, Alex Collins, Buck Allen, and Kenneth Dixon. We're looking at, at 56 overall for Collins. And then you got Buck at 195 and Dixon at 200. The hype train is real on Alex Collins, and I've seen him going as early as mid-second round. So if you want Alex Collins, be prepared to use your second or third round pick on him. Uh, Same questions you have with New York. That offense as a whole has some question marks in it. How soon will Lamar Jackson play? How much will he cut into touchdown availability for whoever the running back is? We don't know. Uh, Buck Allen, you can get late second half of your draft. I think he's a great pickup as a safety valve. Uh, again, if you're getting Collins, I'd definitely draft Allen, too, because he's got great potential should Collins get hurt. Uh, Kenneth Dixon might not even make the team. Okay. And I'm with you. I like Collins. I do not like him sneaking up that high. If he's there and I'm looking for a running back in that 40 to 55 range, 60 range, which he's not usually. So I guess I would have to say I don't like him because where you really have to take him. Um, but I do like that I – Again, he's going to be involved, and I think he's going to have value as that running back three bridge to running back two at times. Um, he just seems to have put it all together. If you're looking for that, throw him against the wall. That's Buck Allen. There's rumors that Dixon may not even make the team. He's on the roster bubble. So um, I wouldn't invest much in Dixon at all, even if it was just a hope and a prayer. Rolling into Cincinnati, where we've got uh, really two backs to look at, and that's Joe Mixon, the sophomore, and Giovanni Bernard. Yep, so Mixon is, it seems like you either love him or you hate him. At least that's what the draft drafts seem like. You would, would you agree with that? Uh, totally. Uh, again, I've seen him going about the same as Collins, round two, typically yep. between picks number 14 through pick 20. Yep. Uh, he does have running back one upside because he will be involved in the passing game, even with Bernard present there. But again, we're talking about a mediocre offense with an established veteran third down back there in Bernard uh, I think the hype for both Mixon and Collins is way too high, but they'll both get drafted as running back two. So plan on looking at one of the two of them in mid to late round two, possibly early round three if you want either of them. Yeah, I mean, Mixon's got an ADP of 25. Um, I'm drafting for the Huddle IDP League right now. I drew the one spot. So coming at me for my two picks at 24 and 25, it looked like Mixon was going to make it. He wound up going off the board at 22 overall. So... I had already made my mind up, though. I wanted a wide receiver if minimally T.Y. Hilton or Mike Evans could make it to me. Evans did. Hilton didn't. 
And I had already decided I was going to go Jarek McKinnon over Mixon simply because two reasons. I think that the Cincinnati offense struggles this year, and that offensive line scares me. It is not an indictment on Mixon. I love that talent. I don't like his price, and I don't like the opportunity that it looks like he could get. Now, I actually thought that they really improved their offensive line this offseason. Just something about it scares me. I don't know. It's, there's just not enough cohesion there for me. Understandable. At least it might take a couple of weeks for them all to gel together. Yeah. And it just, I see no value in him at that range. Last year, granted, I don't think he performed the way we would have expected. It looked like he was trying to do too much. Hopefully he's matured as a player and the game is slowing down for him and, he's not, and he takes what's there. If that's the case, he's, he could be on a lot of teams that win overall getting a running back that's you know, producing from that spot. But I'm just not sold on the spot you have to take him. Okay, so we've just talked about two teams with overly hyped running backs. Let's go to Cleveland where we probably have three running backs who are getting zero hype right now. That's Carlos Hyde, Duke Johnson, and Chubb. Yeah. Um, so here's their ADPs. You're looking at Hyde at 111, Duke at 100, Chubb at 90. So of those three, it's hard not to love Chubb. It's hard not to like Duke because of his role. It's hard not to like Hyde because of how he can run. But with three of them in the mix, it, to me, that's what's going to water it down and makes me go, I'm avoiding those guys. I rode Duke hard last year, and he helped me get a championship. Um, this year, there is something a little different that we're hearing out of camp about him. You want to hit on that? Uh, well, first off, I was going to say, you know, I'm glad you didn't say you rode Chubb hard last year because I would have <laughs> made for some interesting commentary. But you did ride Johnson hard, so we'll leave it at that. Uh, both Johnson, Chubb, and Hyde, I should say all three of them, are guys you're going to target in probably round six, maybe round seven, round eight. Uh, I think Johnson obviously gets the boost in PPR formats because that's his main role. There's talk that he actually may be used as the slot receiver for Cleveland, which could increase his value tremendously, especially if uh, Callaway, the gentleman we talked about in the news today, if he is unable to play due to some sort of suspension, uh, Johnson could be inclined for nine or ten targets a game, making him a very, very valuable piece of that offense. Yeah, and as we talked about, look, they, the coaches supposedly know more than we do. I just think it's a complete disservice to bringing in Jarvis Landry. Whether you love him or you hate him, he seems like a natural fit for the slot. So He looked pretty darn good on the outside yesterday, though, Steve. Yeah, that's true. I just, again, that's, I, I think, well, hey, look, first of all, Cleveland's got a lot of depth that they didn't have before, so I guess that's a good problem to have. So if you got to draft someone from Cleveland's backfield, take Johnson. Don't overpay for Hyde. I, I don't like Hyde generally, uh, and, and you're going to have to pay too much for him. Get Johnson later. Uh, Chubb, great for Dynasty. Yeah. Not so great for redraft. The same thing. Again, I love Chubb. I just don't – I can't pay that cost. Not, not a top 100 pick on a guy that's going to have limited role starting out especially. Okay, let's move to Pittsburgh. Le'Veon Bell. That should be pretty easy. Le'Veon Bell, he's a top five pick in round one in every single draft. Do you feel that he should be? Um, yes, actually, <laughs> as long as he can stay on the field and as long as he reports, uh, nobody has proven it over and over and over again that, I mean, he can just come in off the street and put up 120 to 150 yards per game, total yardage. It's sick. Uh, he is incredibly talented. I wish he was paid like it. So here's the thing. I want to say, I don't like it because of the cost. He's a top, you got to take him basically in the top three to four to get him. There is that risk that he could sit out a part of the season, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be worried about an injury because, look, even from use, we know that it takes one carry for a running back to be done for the season. So 
I just think that there's a lot of risk there. But you don't win leagues by being safe. So there's no way I'm taking a David Johnson or some of these other guys that have other question marks around them over Le'Veon because he has money if he plays. And I think that's what you have to draft him on that account that you expect him to play and then just go from there with whatever, how the chips may fall. The other two players on Pittsburgh that you might want to take a shot on, James Conner and Jalen Samuels, both available near the end of your draft. Uh, dynasty standpoint, I think Samuels has got more value than Conner. I think that if the rubber meets the road and Bell is no longer in Pittsburgh, which very well could happen, look at Samuels as being a very great pickup this year because he's going to be a featured back there next year. Okay. Let's move to Houston. We've got Lamar Miller, who's highly disliked by most people, it seems like. <laughs> Oh, man, Lamar Miller. Is, it, it, you, you hate to draft him at your draft, but you still end up drafting him anyways. Yeah. You end up drafting him at the end of the second round, early third round, because he's a starting running back. But you talked about bad offensive lines. I mean, Houston's is atrocious. Yeah, and his I mean, his ADP is lower than it's been in the past couple of years. It's at 69. You have um, Foreman, who's coming back from the injury. He's at 147. I think if he had not gotten injured at the end of last year, we might see that swapped a little bit because fantasy players like to speculate. I'll tell you that I don't love Lamar at that cost, but I can pay it if I have to. And Foreman, I think that he's worth a gamble if you're looking to just load up on high upside running backs late in your draft. Foreman's a great pickup in best ball too because, well, he won't be ready at the start of the year. He will be ready at some point this season, and when he does come back, you're correct. I, I think there's a very good chance that he surpasses Miller in terms of the starting role. Uh, again, though, if, if you're in that spot where you're at the end of, third, uh, end of the second round, early third round, and you're just looking at the running backs that are out there and you see Lamar Miller's name there, you know what? At that point, I'm just saying pass and taking a wide receiver. Yeah, more than likely that's what I'm doing too. Hey, what about um, Mr. Blue? He's got an ADP in the 300s. Uh, you know what? Uh, Lamar Miller hasn't been the healthiest person on earth, and we've just talked about Foreman being hurt at least for the start of the season. When Lamar Miller gets hurt, Alfred Blue is the next man up. So uh, if nothing else, if you draft Miller uh, and you don't handcuff him with Foreman, handcuff him with Blue at the last pick of your draft. There you go. I like that. Let's move down to Indianapolis, which has some impact from last night's game. We've got Marlon Mack, Hines. I'm not saying his first name. And then we've got Jordan Wilkins. And I was going to say, I think it's Naheem, yeah, but I'm not I, totally positive on that. That's about uh, it. Marlon hurt his hamstring yesterday, and it sounds like he's going to miss at least the next three weeks of the preseason. Uh, whether or not he's ready for the start of the regular season, we don't know. And, and in reality, I mean, we saw a little taste yesterday of the offense there. We're still not 100% sure what Andrew Luck's going to give to this offense once the regular season starts playing, though. So uh, while I was actually up on Mac going into this year, I've been taking him in like round seven of most drafts this year. But this news definitely hurts him. In addition, like I said, Hines, very adept pass catching back rookie this year. I think he is going to eat into Mac's third down role, whether or not Mac plays full time and is healthy at the start of the year. Robert Turbin is also due back uh, after a couple game suspension. And, and then you mentioned uh, Jordan Wilkins, who uh, if Mac misses games at the start of the year, he will be the first down back that's going to be in there, the, uh, the every down back, I should say. So Hines and Wilkins getting drafted way lower than they should be. Mack is uh, probably going around seven, round eight. And I, I like that. I don't love it. But, again, you're looking at your third running back at that point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not in love with Mack. Last year I liked Mack because he was really a late-round steal and you could stash and hope something happened. Um, I think Hines is the play. 
I do. At some point this year, I think that he's going to get a significant chunk of that rushing yardage. And I do believe that Andrew Luck is going to be a positive in the passing game, which is then a turn in turn a positive for the running game. Yeah, he, uh, Hines is definitely the one that will be affected through the passing game, though, if nothing else. Yep. So let's move down to Jack Saxonville. How's that, Saxonville? we got Leonard Fournette with an ADP of 12, Yeldon in the 190s, and then Corey Grant at 260s. I think that's a perfect place for him. I, I love Fournette at the swing pick. If you've got pick uh, 10 or 12 in your uh, draft and you're, you're sitting there at the swing, you'll, you'll get your choice of guys like Fournette and Melvin Gordon. Uh, you can go running back, running back at that point. You can go running back, wide receiver. Uh, Fournette is going to produce great numbers this year as long as he can stay on the field, which unfortunately he's never proven capable of doing. TJ Yeldon's a nice little handcuff back that you can get, and you can actually plug him in as a flex play. So look at Yeldon maybe in like around nine or around 10. Uh, again, if you have Fournette, you have to have Yeldon. And uh, if, if you want to just get Yeldon as a, as a potential flex play uh, midway through the season, again, look at him around nine or 10 because he's going to catch a few passes week in and week out. Yeah, I mean, what I don't like about Fournette is that most of the stuff I'm going to talk about is PPR, of course, and he just doesn't catch enough passes, which is why he slips as far down as he does. And, yeah, I'll go with him at the end of the first round at that, at that you know, turn if some pass-catching running backs like Dalvin Cook aren't available, Melvin Gordon aren't available. Um, so I think his ADP is just about right, and he's a guy that you may not want to target, but you're happy taking him if he's there. And then Yeldon looks like an overlooked man, so if you are thin and running back again, he's one of those guys I have no problem targeting later in the draft so that you can like build up a stable of running backs. In Tennessee, we've got the two-headed monster, Derrick Henry versus Deion Lewis. Yeah, and Henry's at 53, and Lewis is at 81. As a Henry owner last year, I was frustrated with him, and I'm not. I don't like his. I don't like his ADP at 53. I think it's too high. I would have to agree with you there. I think that uh, he's got value. Yep. Um, but you really, we really don't know what the split's going to be between the two of them. It could legitimately be 50-50, in which case that takes away the value of both players. Um, people are going to take Derrick Henry as their running back two. They're going to take Deion Lewis as their running back three or flex. I would rather invest that uh, running back three status in Lewis and hope to get some value out of that above and beyond that than pay up for Henry at my running back two. I agree with you 100%. I like Henry much more. I mean, I'm sorry, I like Lewis much more than Henry, especially at almost a two-round discount. Um, but the one risk with Lewis is just the injury in his size. But Tennessee gave him a lot of money. And I do think you'll see him get used quite a bit. So I missed out on him in our flex draft this week, and I tried to get be cute, and I should have taken him at the 10 spot instead of when he came back around after going through the end of the draft, and I missed him by three picks because of that. So I like Lewis a lot. Okay, we can now roll into the best conference in football, the best division in football, and that's the AFC West. <laughs> okay, um, so here we're looking at Booker and Freeman in Denverland. Freeman at 69 with an ADP and Booker at 147. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love Mr. Freeman, and I'm going to get as many shares of him this year as I can. Uh, he has so much more talent than Devontae Booker. It's not even close. And the fact that Denver is listing Devontae Booker as the lead back at this point uh, makes me want to laugh at them all the more. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I'm with you on it, and I just the ADP 69 is just tough for me to swallow. But 
it, don't, it all depends on what you do in those first three to four picks. And then that's going to dictate what happens in that five round five, round six range, right? Yeah, again, though, you're, you're looking again at round six, maybe even possibly round seven with Freeman. And if he's sitting for there, there for me at six or seven, he's going to be my running back two or maybe my running back three if I go running back two if I go wide receiver heavy, running back three if I go running back heavy. I, I'm very, very happy to see him sitting there for me. Okay. So now let's move to your team, the Kansas City Chiefs, with Kareem Hunt, Spencer Ware. Hunt's just around ADP 12, 12 and change. And then you've got Ware at 207. I've actually been seeing Hunt go a little bit earlier than that, and not just in Kansas City friendly leagues. Uh, typically in the leagues that I've been drafting so far this year, he's going right around pick seven, pick seven, pick eight, pick nine, somewhere in there. And again, I, I like him, but even as a Chiefs fan, I don't really want to invest a high of a pick in him. If I get the eighth pick, I'm probably going to go for division rival Melvin Gordon or possibly even Leonard Fournette over Hunt just because I'm concerned about how much Ware will eat into the touches this year. Uh, people don't realize that Ware didn't play uh, a full season last year, so Hunt got a lot more touches than the team really wanted to give him. So, yes, Hunt's going to have value. Yes, Hunt will be your running back one. You can get him at the late end of your first round. But, again, I wouldn't use that pick for that if I had to. I would rather grab Ware late, late in the draft and, and take advantage of whatever touchdown upside he has. So here's what I'll tell you. Um, he just went 10 overall in the IDP league. And in the flex league draft that we did last, last week, he went 14 overall in the 12-team league. I passed on him with my 10th pick um, to go Dalvin Cook. He made it all the way through the turn, got past the turn, and the guy sitting at 11 took him. I was hoping that he would fall to me. I probably could have taken him at 10 and possibly would have gotten Cook coming back, but I really like Cook this year and didn't want to risk not getting him. So that was some roulette that I played. Um, my concern with Hunt is not his legs. It is not the offense. It is not Spencer Ware. It is that defense. And can that defense get off the field this year to allow the offense to be able to run their offense as much as they need to to make Hunt valuable and pay off as a top-10 pick? Well, they don't have to worry about a human pass interference call Marcus Peters anymore. You've got to worry about getting to the quarterback. Yes. Okay, let's move to the um, team on the left coast that can't seem to keep anybody healthy with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Gordon, the Los Angeles Chargers of uh, Anaheim, right? Yeah, something like that. Gordon's got an ADP of 13 and change, and then Eckler's in the 200s. Well, you know what? Again, I'm drafting Gordon as much as I can this year. The team is already talking about using him more in the passing game. Yep. I, again, I see, I've seen him go as high as 7 this year. I love him in the 8 to 10 range. He's going. I'm going to take him above Hunt. I'm going to take him above Fournette. Uh, I probably, uh, as a Minnesotan, I'll probably be laughed at for taking him above Delvin Cook, but I think they're very, very close in that same slot there. Uh, and, of course, Eckler is his number one backup. So if you get Gordon and he hasn't proven to be 100% injury safe, you've got to grab Eckler and you probably got to grab him in round 9 or 10 because someone else will grab him to use against you at some point. Okay. So – yeah, I, I love the news that they want to get him more involved in the passing game. We already know that he sees an inordinate amount of touches inside at the goal line. So, yeah, if I was at the end of the first round, I'd be hoping to see Gordon slide to me. Um, I do have Cook above him a little bit, but I, I have no problem with seeing people take Gordon instead. Now, and lastly, we, in the AFC West, 
Yeah, I was going to say last we go oh, to go the ahead. old we go to the old folks home out in Oakland. <laughs> yes, the retirement community uh, populated by the likes of Marshawn Lynch, Doug Martin, and a couple of youngsters, uh, Jalen Richard and DeAndre Washington. Where are those guys going? Oh, uh, you got Lynch just barely outside the top 100 at 103 and Martin at 177. And I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm out on both of those guys. I'm not saying there's no upside on them, but I just have other guys I like with better upside in those ranges, no matter if it's wide receiver or running backs. Now, did Gruden have some time with Martin when they were both in uh, Tampa or was that separate? I don't believe so, but I don't think it would matter because those legs are not the same. Yeah. You got, you got two guys who are older than their, uh, age might actually show they've got a lot of mileage on them uh they're going to split carries i don't like either of them uh you could throw a stick against the wall and get either one of them in round six or seven and hope that one of them becomes your running back too but most likely you're going to be sitting there starting that as your flex player possibly as a bye week fill-in yeah and i don't like throwing stuff at the wall with guys that don't have much upside honestly all right time for the nfc it is time to head to the nfc yes it is and we might as well start in Dallas with Zeke. He's got an ADP. Well, Zeke, you're going to be paying a top three pick for him. Yeah, he's, he's number two overall with a 3.3 ADP. There's no looming suspensions. Well, Dallas is right. Right? There's no looming suspensions. He's got a good offensive line. I think that he's definitely worthy of the number two overall pick. I don't have him above Gurley, but I don't think you can go wrong going with him over Le'Veon this year due to the risk. I, to- I totally agree. I think and Zeke will also be used more in the passing game this year with the loss of Jason Witten, the loss of Des Bryant. They've got targets to possibly redistribute there, and Zeke will get a few of them. Love him. If you get him again, same thing. You want to handcuff him with uh, his handcuff, Rod Smith. You're going to have to pay an earlier round pick to get Smith than most people would want you to. Uh, probably looking at round 9 or 10 to get him. But Zeke, again, top 3 pick, possibly top 4, depending on how your league format scores. Okay. So now let's move to the New York Giants with the new rookie sensation, Saquon Barkley, and old man Jamal, yeah, Jamal, old man Jonathan Stewart. You know, Barkley's moving up. He's number five overall with ADP, and he's got an ADP of about seven. That gets into the, do you take him over David Johnson, this kind of stuff, that kind of stuff. And then Stewart just, he's in the almost 300s. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think Barkley's ADP is going to shoot up even higher after his performance last night, but, uh, I, I like Barkley. Uh, prior to the game last night, I was fortunate enough to get Barkley at the swing pick in one draft. Uh, paired him with Leonard Fournette, giving me a strong pair of running backs to start out one draft. But he's going to slide up really slowly, too. He's going to fall into that eight category right about the same time we're talking with Gordon and Cook and Hunt and those guys. Uh, I think that's a little bit of an overpay. I'd rather get him at uh, between 10 and 12. But uh, someone will pay for that, particularly whoever your New York Giants fan is in your league. Uh, James Stewart, uh, his best days are long behind him. I would rather have uh, Wayne Gallman as his backup than uh, Stewart. Yeah, I'm not doing anything with Stewart at all. He's not worthy. There's just not enough upside. I want upside if I'm going to stash a guy like that. And even if something were to happen to Barkley, he's not going to have enough value to to worry about. Um, I like Barkley. I actually think that he's on a better team that's more well-rounded than David Johnson, and I love David Johnson, but that – offense, that offensive line, the quarterback situation, the whole thing scares the hell out of me. So I could actually see going and pushing Barkley above Johnson and below Bell and above Bell if you're worried about risk with him possibly holding out for multiple games and stuff like that. I definitely like him above Kamara and those other guys too. 
So if I was in the middle of the okay, first round. Okay, uh, we're looking at Philadelphia next? Yeah. If I was to say, if I'm in the middle, middle of the first round or, or after the first three or four have come off the board, I am not hesitating to pull the trigger on Barkley. So, yeah, yeah in Philly we've got Ajaye, um, Sproles, and Clement. You know, Ajaye's at 56, and then you've got Sproles at 250, and Clement's about 100 picks earlier in the 150 range. Well, Jai is going to be kind of like our Lamar Miller talk. Uh, yep. He's a guy you kind of get stuck with. You don't really like him. Uh, I, I really feel sick to my stomach when I bring up his name at the draft. I don't think he's going to be very good this year. I think Sproles is going to eat a lot of his receptions. I think Clement's going to steal touches from him. He may even steal touchdowns from him. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're overpaying if you take a Jai. And, and best you're hoping for is a running back two there. I would agree. I, I see all risks, not much upside at all. So I don't like the cost, and that's for sure. Um, as far as Sproles goes, I don't think that there's going to be enough of a role. I think he's going to have a role for the Eagles. Fantasy-wise, he's not somebody I want. Clement, though, is a guy that intrigues me because his cost is inexpensive. If something were to happen to Ajayi, his role expands, and he can carry a load, I think. And if something happens to Sproles, you already know that his role fits that well from last year. So I like him the best out of that triumphant at a cost standpoint. Okay, and then of course we get to roll into the bad news in Washington. Yes, we've been holding off saying anything, but we've got Darius Geis, and now we need to talk about Rob Kelly, Chris Thompson, as well as Samaj P. Ryan. You're looking at, forget Geis's ADP. He's done, well, people. There's no hope. He's not playing torn ACL. And the ADPs are going to be off on all these guys because of this now. That's going to be the hard part with any drafts that are coming up. You can't rely on the fact that Rob's at 308 right now and that Piran's at 255. Those guys could climb into the 70s or 80s or even higher depending on how somebody overreacts. So talk about what you like about each and what you don't like about each. Well, Samaje Piran got the chance to be the main ball carrier last year. He completely underwhelmed. Of course, a lot of that was the fact that the offensive line that he was working with there was pretty much piecemeal all season. I think P. Ryan has the ability to be an okay every down back this season, but he won't get the opportunity to because at some point, uh, I assume that Chris Thompson will start the season on the physically unable to perform list coming off the major injury himself. Uh, by week six, I'm sure he'll probably be ready to come back. So at some point, we'll have Thompson as the third down back. Uh, Rob Kelly, uh, we kind of joked about it earlier, is that uh, – he lost some weight this offseason, so we can't really call him Fat Rob Kelly anymore unless he still wants to be called that. Uh, Kelly proved um, two years ago that he was capable of being a goal line back, but that's really all he offers. Uh, P. Ryan actually proved capable of doing that last year by himself. So, you know, if you got to take someone, you're going to take P. Ryan. Hopefully your draft is uh, not going to be too affected by the Geist news. You can probably get P. Ryan still in round six. Uh, Kelly's probably going to move up to about round nine. But if again, if you're in a PPR-type format, Thompson's the guy you want. Uh, even with the injury, you can probably get him right, right round eight, maybe round nine, and get some value as a late-season play. So if I was going to roll the dice on any of those guys, I actually think that Kelly's the one that I would go with because I think that he's going to be a little bit further down. You'll be able to get him in advance I mean, after Samaje is what I should say. Thompson's the guy that's most intriguing to me from – just his role is not really going to change. At least it should not based on this Geist news. He's what I remember CJ Spiller in Buffalo. Everybody wanted him to have more and more and more carries when he was up there. And then they gave him more carries and he was nowhere near as efficient, nowhere near as effective and just didn't do as good a job. 
Sometimes less is more. And I think Chris Thompson falls into that range. He can't carry too much more of a load. So I don't want to see his role change. The problem with him right now is that his recovery news isn't the greatest. So he might slide down draft boards and he becomes somebody that I don't have a problem taking. But don't expect him to take over for Geis. The Geis carries get taken over by Samaje and or Rob. If I had to bet on one of those guys, I like Rob because he's probably going to come at a better cost. Totally agree. Uh, now, I guess uh, that brings us into the NFC. Oh, geez, I can't get my screen to move down here. Who's up next? Oh, we've got some San Francisco 49ers. 49ers, no, talk actually, about hype. Actually, I'm wrong. We, we're don't don't mind me. We go to we go to. I jumped up way ahead. Where were we? I'm on the wrong page. We are at Chicago. Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen. Okay. Uh, Jordan Howard is going mid-second round in a lot of drafts right now, typically around pick 16 to pick 20 range, which I think is fairly good for him. Uh, Cohen obviously takes some of his catches last year on an awful offense that he could produce 100-yard games fairly regularly. I, I love you're not taking him as your running back one, I hope. But if he's your running back two, if you've got a guy like Hunt or Cook in round one, follow it up with Howard. I think you're set pretty good at running back and concentrate wide receiver the rest of the draft. Uh, Cohen, uh, because of his PPR upside, kind of like Thompson, you're going to want to get him probably round seven, round eight. I'm sure his ADP is a little bit lower than that. Uh, but, again, I like Cohen uh, because I think he's going to get enough touches in that offense that uh, he's going to be valuable too. Yeah, you've got Jordan Howard at you know av- average ADP of 31, and Cohen's at 89. I love the fact that I, th- I do think that Howard's being underrated, and he's somebody I was considering uh, when I took McKinnon, but he was off the board already, I believe. Um, I just you can't look at it as you know it's the old Bears from last year. Matt Nagy's coming over; he's going to install that Kansas City offense. So you kind of can be looking at what you would get from a Kareem Hunt type, and then how you know did he use. Hunt in the passing game, and that's where Cohen comes in. Um, I think Cohen's a slightly better value, but he's even coming off the board a little earlier than I would like since he is smaller, a little more brittle, can't handle too big of a load. And Howard's not that bad of a running back. So I like them both. They're those guys that fall in that Lamar Miller type. If they're there for me and I have to take them, I'm going to take them. I'm not mad about it. You make a good point about the uh, scheme there, too, with uh, Howard. When people think about Chicago, they think about a team that's been a bottom dweller for several years now. But realistically, they're not a team that gets blown out. They're not a team where you're going to see them down 20 points early and they're going to have to abandon the running game. They have a very good defense in Chicago. And we compare that good defense with a young up-and-coming quarterback and a solid running back. Uh, Howard's going to be involved in the game, even if they do start to get behind. Yes, I I agree. I think Chicago's going to surprise a lot of people. Everybody's talking about... Cleveland surprising people this year. I believe Chicago is going to do that. Um, let's move to Detroit, where they don't ever have any running backs. Are you buying Carryon Johnson at his sixty nine ADP? You know, I don't mind him at that ADP. I, again, if if he falls to me in round six or round seven, uh, I'm looking at running back two upside, even on that uh, barren wasteland of running back talent known as Detroit. Uh, I he can't be any worse than the guys they've thrown out there already. And of course, I mean, after costing me a quarter of a million dollars last year. I'm going to have nothing to do with Amir Abdullah. Right. Uh, Theo Riddick obviously still has value, again, as a PPR option, third down back, assuming he stays with Detroit. Uh, you can get him probably round 10 and use him as a flex some weeks because of the number of passes that's thrown to him. Yeah. But yeah, Kerryon Johnson's the guy you want. 
And if you can get him around six or seven, take him and be happy. You got running back two upside, running back three flex uh, minimum. Yeah, I'm with you. I like him in if I go heavy in the wide receivers and I'm looking to get that running back three. Just got some upside and he's there. I don't mind that. Theo's at actually 173. I think he's a pretty good value when you're trying to fill out in a PPR league. Um, Blount at 213. Unless you're in a TD only league, I'm not going there. Let's move to. I don't even think Blount makes the team. I bet he's a cap casually. Uh, wouldn't surprise me. Um, and then let's go to Green Bay. Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery, Williams at 95, Jones at 124, who's suspended to start the season, and Montgomery at 145. Likes and dislikes. Well, going into this offseason, I was high on Aaron Jones because uh, everyone seemed to like him in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers even went out and said, we like Aaron Jones. He's a good pass blocker. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He's a good runner. But all three of those backs were okay last year in chunks. None of them excelled in chunks. And that concerns me, that Green Bay will continue to use a committee backfield with all three of them. Uh, if I had to have one on my team as a running back three, I would probably still lean Jones even with the suspension. I'm with you. Because I think ultimately he's a better total back than either Williams or Montgomery. I agree, and I think that the suspension's baked into that cost at 124 had he not been suspended i think his his adp is right at or above williams so i think that if there's anybody i'm investing in it's going to be him there now let's go to the land of minnesota which you know all too well dalvin cook at 14 lat murray at 169 well it was a sad sad day here in minnesota last year when dalvin cook got hurt uh knocking him out for the season much i'm sure like the washington fans are feeling right now about the loss of geist uh, Cook looked remarkable in his first three games last year. Uh, he was able to catch the ball. He was able to run the ball. Uh, the only issue that Cook may have in terms of value this year is how much Latavius Murray will steal from him, at least in the early part of the season, while they get him up to speed. Now, once Cook is up to speed, he may be coming off a major injury, but he still has fresh legs. He's not a, he's not an old man by any stretch of the imagination. Second season with the team. Uh He's got high-end running back one upside. You're going to get him near the end of the first round, and you're going to be very, very happy. But again, if you take Cook, know that the first four or five weeks, he might have his touchdowns vultured. And I don't have a problem with that. I think he's a great value. I think he's the kind of guy that is going to be able to help lead a lot of teams down the stretch when he is out there you know, hauling the load. So love him a lot. Let's move to Atlanta with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. You got Freeman's at 25, Coleman's at 78. It's amazing that Freeman's so high coming off his injury, and uh, Coleman hasn't been a healthy body for a long time either. He's, he's constantly hurt and come, coming back. So you get two guys who eat into each other's touches during the game. Yep. Uh, it's an offense that I think is highly, highly overrated, and they proved last year that they can have a lot of faults in that offense. Uh, you're taking Freeman as your running back too. And if you've got, if say you've got pick one and you, you take Gurley or you take Bell at number one, and you can get Freeman at 24, I don't mind them there. Yeah. Uh, I just, I feel like there's better options. Like I'd rather take my chances on a guy like Christian McCaffrey, who I think we're going to talk about shortly here. Yeah. Uh, and again, if you take Freeman, you almost have to take Coleman a couple rounds later, which is way too early uh, for a guy who's basically a change of pace back who gets occasional touchdowns. Uh, if you have to waste a pick on Atlanta, Maybe use a late, late round pick, like round 14, 15, 16 on Edo Smith, just as insurance for when Freeman gets hurt. Nah, I'll tell you what. I don't mind Freeman. I'm probably not th- drafting him in that range. I got some other guys, usually wide receiver, that I might like there. 
because I'm not going to have a spot where I can get him at 24 anyway. Um, but Coleman, I wish he had a little bit better value, but he's a guy I don't mind taking because he has an involvement, and if something were to happen to Freeman, that's the kind of player that has the home run upside that could be a league winner for you. And with that said, let's move right into Carolina and talk about Christian McCaffrey and C.J. Anderson. Yeah, so as much as I am happy with Freeman, I don't love Freeman. I love Christian McCaffrey, and I love when Christian McCaffrey falls all the way to the end of that first, uh, all the way to the end of the second round. That's not going to happen very much longer because yeah. Carolina has come on record saying that they're going to give him 20 to 30 touches a game. That's now, not happening. I don't think that's really going to happen, but uh, even if he just gets 20 touches a game, this kid is electric. He catches the ball out of the backfield. He's got PPR God written all over him. And he got the ball at the stripe last night and punched it in. I was, something we were really concerned about is how much C.J. Anderson would steal in terms of goal line touches. Uh, it, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think C.J. Anderson is nothing more than a change of pace back at this point in his career. Yeah, he'll help to give him, give him a breather, stuff like that. You know, Anderson's at 130, and then you got CMC. CMC. Um, McCaffrey at 20.62. So he's in that Joe Mixon range, and I clearly like him head and shoulders above Mixon. Um, let's move to the Saints, where we've got Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. Kamara's at 7.37 overall, and Ingram's at 77. You're not going to get him at 7. I can tell you that right now. Most drafts, Kamara yep. is going top 5. Yep. And it's kind of absurd that he is, because he's got one season under his belt. And, and it's, you it's, know, he was good. He was very good. There's yep. no... There's no and he won a lot of leagues for people, too. Sure he did. But he won a lot of leagues for people because he was drafted in round six or round seven last year, not in top yes. six place. And here's the thing. I think he may fall into that less is more, too. He, everybody thinks that because Ingram's suspended to start the year, he's going to shoulder the load. I think that that could be a negative impact for him. I don't like him at his cost. I'm glad I'm not drafting in the range where it, he's a guy I have to decide on. I've been at the beginning and end of drafts, luckily. Um, Ingram, I think his ADP is even a little high considering – you know, the suspension to start. But 77, if you went wide receiver heavy, I'm not opposed to gri- grabbing him in the in that range. Not at all. I think you're grabbing him as another uh, fly against the wall, running back two possibility there, and I think that's a good pickup at, at that point. Okay, next, let's move to Tampa Bay, where we have to talk about rookie Ronald Jones and a guy like Peyton Barber. Well, you know what? How, how much or how little respect does that team have for their veterans, Peyton Barber and Jacquez Rogers, both were quite admirable last year, filling in for the defunct Doug Martin. Uh, they both had hundred yard games at different points last season, and they both were capable both in the pass game and in the rushing game. So what does Tampa Bay do? They go out and get Ronald Jones, who uh, by all accounts uh, should be the number one running back there. Uh, last night, I think, uh, shed a little light, though, that that might not be the case. Yeah, and I, and I like Charles Sims, too, honestly. So, honestly, I'm avoiding these guys. There's, they're just not in my wheelhouse when it gets to them at the point in the draft where you're pulling the trigger on Jones in the 60s. Peyton Barber in the 200s, yeah, I can see him being a value later in the draft. You're not going to get him at that after this, after this week, though, so you're going to have to pull the trigger on him probably in the 120s to 150s, if I had to guess now, because people will overdraft him. Absolutely agree. I think both Barber... Uh, we'll probably go around round 10 going forward after yep. last night's game. And, and Jones might slip a little bit. So if he slides into round six, round seven, kind of like Royce Freeman we talked about earlier, 
if Ronald Jones is still sitting there in round six or round seven, I think he's going to have better value than his current ADP. Yeah, I think he's got to slide more than that for me to consider him. Now let's go to Arizona out in the desert where I love David Johnson, the player, uh, with an ADP of 479. I don't love the situation. I don't like having to draft him. Again, I'm glad I've not been in the position to make that decision this year. But if I were, I probably would opt to go with Saquon Barkley over him. Oh, oh, come on, Steve. You drafted David Johnson first overall last year, and you won the title. That is true. I did. He was my first pick at <laughs> one at one one or 1.01, as like some people like to say. Is that and, the number of points he scored for you last year, too? Actually, he had a, I think he scored double digits in week one, even in partial play, what, less than a half of football. So what could have been, I really could have ran away with it, but I'll just take, the, I'll take my win, I'll take my belt, and we'll go from there. But this year, no parts of DJ, unfortunately. Sorry. You know what? I'm I'm passing on him, even if he falls all the way to one five. Uh, yeah. I'm I maybe if I have one six, I'm like no. hemming and hawing between him and Antonio Brown at that point, and I'm probably taking Antonio Brown. If he, if you're in my league and you've yet picked seven, Johnson might still be sitting for you at pick seven. Yeah, I gotta tell you, I I think he has to fall in that eight nine ten range before I start considering him honestly. Um, and of course, his handcuff. If anyone's interested, if you if yeah. you've got Johnson, you've got to take a late round flyer on Chase Edmonds. Yeah, and I'm not even. So what? Um, next, Todd Gurley, one point four two, number one overall running back. I've taken him in a draft. I've seen him go in a draft. I think he is the number one guy. I don't like to make stuff off of last year's numbers, but the talent's there, the opportunity's there, the offense is right. I have no qualms with Mr. Gurley at one one overall. Uh, we both took him at 1-1, so I, I think that says a lot about his value point. That uh, I've seen him go as low as 3. Yep. I've not seen anyone let him slide past 3. And uh, if, if you want Gurley, you've got to have a top 3 pick this year. Uh, he's got two potential handcuffs. I think Malcolm Brown is officially listed as the number yeah, 2 there. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of nondescript. Uh, Just uh, imagine Austin Eckler with no talent. And then behind him, uh, there is John Kelly, who I think is the guy who will truly emerge as the backup uh, and the guy you want to get in around 14 or 15 as yep. uh, Gurley Insurance. And I'm not 100% sure because my memory is so short. And, but I believe that in my flex, not flex league, in my Scott Fishbowl, I did take John Kelly to back Gurley up because I wasn't happy with my running backs. Normally I don't like the handcuff, but I figure if there's one I'm going to handcuff, it's going to be that one. I went with with Kelly. I think he's a better cost. Um, let's move. Where's Benny Cunningham when we need him? He was actually decent. Yeah, right. Hey, don't you never know? He could still rear his head somewhere. <coughs> let's go to the last and final team that we're going to talk about. Um, and I'd, I'd I have say two teams left. Two teams? Oh yeah, we do. I'm sorry. That's because I'm ignoring one. Let's go to our next last team. Let's go to San Francisco and talk about Jarek McKinnon, who's got an ADP in the 30s, high 30s, and then Matt Breida in the 170s. Hype alert, hype alert, hype alert. McKinnon is going as high as pick number 13 in some drafts right now, and that is absolutely absurd. Jet McKinnon has never been a featured back for a long period of time. Uh, I love the kid. He was an electric fill-in back in Minnesota. He was a huge, great change of pace option from Latavius Murray last year once Delvin Cook went down. I want nothing to do with McKinnon as high as he's going. If McKinnon is sitting there at pick 35 or 36, I would consider taking him as a running back two. But we've got people taking him thinking he's going to be a running back one and no. that absurdity. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm at 1-1. One, one, I take Gurley. Comes back around to me at the wrap. And I go Mike Evans. And now I've got to decide, do I want McKinnon or Jordan Howard? 
Darius Geis. I want Geis. Luckily, about 20 minutes before I made that pick, I found out that Geis had torn his ACL and was going to indeed be out for the season. I decide to go with McKinnon based on the fact that Breed is a little banged up now, and he is going to play the Devontae Freeman role in that offense. I do not expect him to carry the load. Absolutely do not. I think he'll actually be a little bit, few percentage points less than what Freeman was, but I think he still turns back good value. I love Breida. I love him at the ADP of 170. I think this injury is going to cause him to drop. And if it does, I'm taking him every chance I get because he is Tevin Coleman with the same thing. If something happens to McKinnon, once Breida is healthy, he should flash as last year, he's going to carry a much bigger role. Well, you, you hit the nail on the head with Breida being Tevin Coleman. The difference is McKinnon is no Devonta Freeman. McKinnon is nowhere yeah. near as good as Devonta Freeman. He never will be. But that's so, how he's going to be used. I would. <laughs> that's what they're going to use him as, but he's not going to pay off that way. You're going to see Breda a lot more on the field than I think people are expecting at this point. And again, anytime you can get Breda uh, around around pick tenth uh, round or so, I, I'd be glad to roster him. Okay. So now let's finish up with our last team, Seattle, and we've got three running backs to talk about: Chris Carson, the rookie Penny. And then probably the best running back on the team who, based on ADP, will never wind up on any of my teams, Russell Wilson. Yeah, I'm being funny. That's how much I dislike this running attack. Oh, come on. You, you, you're not uh, rostering at the end of your draft J.D. McKissick? I'm not. And you know what? Carson's got an ADP of 149. I can live with that. I'm, That's going to start climbing, though. It is, but I can't live with Penny at 50. And I just that offensive line, you want to talk about bad? And I I just, I don't care how much they say they want to run the ball. I'm out. Both of them. I'm out. Uh, I'll I'll tell you this. A popular pick this year is Doug Baldwin. We'll talk about him next week when we cover wide receivers. I want nothing to do with any part of Seattle's offense. Uh, If I had to take one of these backs, it would probably be McKissick, and it would probably be in the 14th or 15th round. I would not take one of these backs, including McKissick. If my draft was 16 rounds and McKissick could be my 17th round pick. How's that? <laughs> so that is going to do it for this week, folks. It's not just a second episode, but it's an extra long episode. We're almost at the one hour mark. So hopefully you got some information that's going to help you to be better um, served during your rookie draft, your rookie drafts, your drafts for this season at the running back position. Um, next week, as Harley hinted at, we will be doing wide receivers that episode will drop next tuesday this episode should be dropping tomorrow which is saturday the 11th hopefully and until we get back make sure you're following my man harley at nuclear harley on twitter and then you can follow me at steve gallo nfl and of course you can listen to this show not just at the huddle but you can also find it on itunes and stitcher and as always get blissed responsibly cheers cheers